Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person excited about Pride this weekend. So stop by the AM 950 booth uh, this afternoon. Say hi. I will be there from 2 o'clock to 6 p.m. And uh, also know that there's a lot of construction downtown, so I think parking's going to be even extra tricky this year. Um, stop by our sponsors as well. Uh, Seward Community Co-op has great Pride cupcakes, so you got a Pride party, you can bring by some Pride cupcakes um, from Seward Co-op. Also, the Minneapolis Farmer's Market is open until 1 o'clock today. So in studio today, we're going to be talking about homelessness and coffee. And yes, there's a connection between homeless and coffee. We, we, if we make the connection, with me is the founder of Wildflower, Fly, Wildflower Coffee, Carly Camomere. Hi, welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hello. Hi. So what's the connection between homelessness and coffee? Um... Well, Wildflower Coffee is a coffee company that exists to create employment opportunities for youth experiencing homelessness and instability in the Twin Cities. So we've chosen to use coffee as a vehicle um, to create opportunities for youth who have been denied maybe access to the workforce. Yeah. I... Food Friend Radio is all about how we take our power and having a power in our own economy, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But it's also not just a local issue, it's a global issue. And there was a story out in the Washington Post about how the farm crisis, how, how the decrease in coffee price is hurting um, farmers in Guatemala. And joining us by phone right now is Barnaby. Um, hi, good morning, and welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hi there, how are you? I'm doing well. So Barnaby, let's start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I've been working with, within the coffee industry for about 15 or 16 years. Um, I'm originally from Wales, and you might be able to tell from my accent, but I've been in Minneapolis for two years, um, and I work for a coffee distributor called Intimix Beverage, um, and we distribute specifically two coffee companies locally. So one's Peace Coffee, and one is Intelligentsia Coffee, who grows out of Chicago. So, um, Peace Coffee, of course, was founded by IATP, the Inter International IATP International um, Egg and Trade Policy, um, and they started it because they understood global issues around coffee. Can you briefly give us an update of what those global issues are? Absolutely. I mean, this is an issue that, for people in the coffee industry, has been at the forefront of our mind for um, a good number of months, probably a year or two now. We've seen. Um, some of the problems, we've foreseen some of the problems coming. Um, basically, the main problem right now is the cost of C-grade or commodity um, price of coffee. It's dipped down below um, a dollar a pound. It's saying it's at 86 cents, although that is fluctuating daily. Um, but it's floating around a dollar or just under a dollar per pound. In 2016, I think it was around two dollars. And I mean, it does fluctuate a lot. When we say commodity coffee, what we're really talking about is the large volume farms um, that are producing hundreds of thousands of pounds of coffee, um, millions of pounds of coffee per year, and the cost of which that is traded at. Um, that has a direct effect upon specialty coffee. Um, so when we're talking specialty coffee, that's when we're thinking of local coffee roasters here, such as Spy House um, or Wildflyer, um, who Carly represents there as well. Um, the sea cost of C-grade coffee affects them because the farmers who grow specialty coffee um, are generally paid a percentage above C-grade. And so that obviously then that that means their price will fluctuate along with the C-grade. Right. And so um, so the story in the Washington Post, which was also in the Star Tribune, was that the migrant problem is really a coffee problem. And 120,000 small-scale farmers are not able to make a living. Um, they've invested in these coffee plants. Um, they sort of trusted that things were going to work out. In 2015, they were making two twenty a pound, and then it, 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 it crashed. And, and so that is having a devastating effect on the lives of um, probably hundreds of thousands of people, if not more. Absolutely, hundreds of thousands and def definitely more. I mean, we're talking about Guatemala, but this affects pretty much every coffee um, growing country in, in the world. Um, basically, the cost of coffee right now at 86 cents per pound is less than the cost of production. Um, so you don't need to know anything about coffee just to understand that that isn't something that is sustainable um, in the short term, let alone the long term. What we're seeing is a number of farmers are growing coffee along with other other products. That's something that has happened for quite a while. 
And if they're fortunate, those other products bring in enough income that they can supplement the cost of coffee at the moment. Um, but if they're not able to sell their other products for the same, then they will just leave the coffee industry altogether. Um, and obviously, if the number of farmers decreases, um, then the cost of coffee is going to rise for us here as consumers because there's going to be less availability. Um, but also then to talk about very briefly talk about the refugees or people who are leaving Guatemala and moving up here and being related to coffee. I mean, that's just a symptom of inequality between developed countries and developing countries. Um, I think ultimately the moral that we need to take from this conversation, and I'll say this now, but we should mention it again, is that we should all be paying more for coffee, every single consumer, to ensure that those across the whole of the coffee growing um, industry, from farmer to stockbroker to the people who are picking it, are getting paid a fair wage. Um, later on, I'm going to play a clip, and I, I just learned about this book, and I got it free from a, a coffee shop. You know how sometimes people put free books out? I got Eric Fromm's To Have or To Be. And so this whole idea of, um, and I'm going to play a clip about how he says that the that the United States is on a, on a course towards destruction because we have such what he calls a have mode of being, a have mode of operating. Um, but I'll talk some more about that later on. Um, and yet... Um, do, or do you have any comments on that? I mean, I know I just made that jump because I'm trying to figure it out myself, but it just seems like we have, uh, to, to simplify it, we just have a uh, mean, insane economy right now. How's that? <laughs> Carly, you might want to <laughs> Carly, you want to jump on that one? I mean, isn't that the problem? It's just a mean, insane economy? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm totally qualified to speak to that, but I, I would say that, obviously, I think we are pretty used to consuming at the rates we want to consume it and sometimes without a regard to how the prices we pay are affecting people especially when the problem isn't maybe a mini like seen by us directly here and it can be harder to relate to the fact that of course we want to pay less for our coffee but then that is impacting thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people in other countries um, and if we're not confronted with that reality it's really easy to kind of ignore I guess to, to ignore it. So this was the movement of the specialty coffee. So the specialty coffees um, um, have a different impact on the world than the industrial coffee. Is that what you're saying, Barnaby? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So a simple kind of way to look at it or to think about it, and this is to simplify it, but the C-grade coffee, commodity coffee, um, is grown in vast volumes by very few farmers. Um, these are huge coffee farms that are grown at very low-lying low um, altitudes and they're grown very quickly with high yield crops the quality of that coffee then suffers as a result and is not of the highest quality it does not taste great and this is the kind of coffee that we kind of grew up drinking i'm sure we all have that um, image of kind of brown bitter water that was our first experience of coffee for a lot of people um, and that is c grade so that is when we're talking 86 cents per pound that is what it is it's a lot grown by very few well specialty coffee is a very Fast, it's a fast-growing sector of the, of the coffee market, but that is very little coffee grown by a lot of people. There are a lot of people involved in the production of specialty coffee, um, and so that means the costs involved with growing specialty coffee is far, far higher. And in order for all of those people to get a fair wage, it means that us as a consumer has to take some form of responsibility um, and pay a little bit more, be prepared to pay a little bit more, and... Um, but in order, I think, really, in order for the culture to accept that, to understand that, there has to be this differentiation between commodity coffee and between specialty coffee. And that is a very hard thing for us as people in the coffee industry to communicate to the consumer. We've probably all seen articles when a coffee shop dares to charge $10, $12, $14 for a cup of coffee. It makes headlines as if they're, as if, you know, as if they're having a joke. And who would be prepared to pay that? when in actuality we should probably all be paying five, six, seven dollars plus per coffee in order to ensure um, that there can be a quality or at least some resemblance of quality, a quality across uh, the production. Right, and so, um, and there's also environmental issues. I mean, climate change is resulting in coffee rust, which also hurts the small-scale farmers globally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the, the truth of the matter is the lower-grade coffees, um, so the lower-quality coffees um, in particular. So, so there are two types, main types of coffee that are grown, which is Arabica and Robusta. Um, and Robusta, as the name suggests, is very robust. 
um, and it can handle coffee rust as, as, as well as many other diseases um, a lot better than Arabica. Um, and so those who are growing that Robusta, again, this is mostly the C-grade coffee, not the vast number, the vast majority of coffee grown. They can handle it a lot better, so they're well prepared to deal with climate change, for example, as well as um, rust, whereas specialty coffee will suffer more. Um, and so we're going to see an increase in the cost of production, that cost of production is just going to rise, and yet the cost of coffee, uh, the cost of coffee per pound purchasing, is falling. Um, and so that gap, that, that, that's the inequality, the difference between means of production and cost of purchasing, will just continue to grow. And then also, I want to make sure we talk about shade coffee and effects on birds and other wildlife. Can you speak to that, Cardi? That's more something that I... Okay. Oh, well, I just, I've heard that, you know, with industrial um, industrial monoculture systems, they're not as bird-friendly, so shade-grown <laughs> coffee is much better for birds. And so, Bar- Barnaby, we're going to be ending this segment soon. Is there anything else you'd like to say before... Um, I'll, I'll say what I said at, said at the beginning, and I think this is something that I, I, I tell to everybody when I'm doing training sessions uh, and the like, is that coffee is an agricultural product. It's something that's something that is quite easy to forget. Um, and all agricultural products um, require a lot of love and care and attention to grow to the highest quality, and specialty coffee is very much black. And so as consumers, we owe it to the farmers, to the people who pick the coffee, who sort the coffee, who roast the coffee, and then the baristas who make the coffee. We owe it to them um, to pay a little bit more, to be prepared to pay a little bit more, to ensure that we continue to receive the high quality of coffee that we've now become accustomed to. Well, I thank you so much, Barnaby, for joining us. We're going to take a little break. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and we're talking about coffee and how to help coffee align with the values we want to create in the world. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette. 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Does your dog deserve food that is as wholesome as the food you feed your family? Food that is natural without artificial ingredients? At Total Dog Company, we carry Nature's Logic brand dry and canned foods. Nature's Logic pet foods are made without any synthetic vitamin mixes or other synthetic nutrients. All the goodness comes from real food. Find Nature's Logic at Total Dog Company in New Hope, right off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North, and at TotalDogCompany.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Hello, Twin Cities listeners. Tom Hartman here. Join me for a talk on Saturday, June 29th at Next Chapter Booksellers. That's at 38 South Snelling Avenue. It's at 7 p.m. Mass shootings are on the rise, so what's holding the U.S. back from enacting change? The Hidden History of Guns in the Second Amendment, my new book, is an in-depth, historically informed view of the role guns have played throughout American history. From early European settlement to the Revolutionary War and Manifest Destiny, through the use of the slave patrols in the Deep South, which became the well-regulated militias so debated in 1787, to the recent school massacres. Plus, I'll talk solutions and sign books. In fact, a whole spectrum of my books. So if you have questions, come. We'll be doing a Q&A. Put it on your calendar. Saturday, June 29th at 7 p.m., Join me at Next Chapter Booksellers, 38 South Snelling Avenue. 
Look forward to seeing you there and bring your questions. Tag, you're it. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline, and we're talking about the intersection of coffee and kindness. And uh, we're very pleased to have in studio Carla, and we're going to be talking about wildflower coffee. But first, I'm going to back up a little bit, because in a, in a coffee shop, um, somebody put out a free book, Eric Fromm's To Have or To Be. And I just found this book so freaking exhilarating to listen to. And I want to play a clip uh, from 1958. Mike Wallace was interviewing Eric Fromm, um, and of course, Mike Wallace went on to be on 60 Minutes. Um, Eric Fromm was one of the leading thinkers of his time. And what Eric was telling Mike Wallace is that the United States is on the course to extinction. And, and here's why. It is taking, it is in serious danger of destroying itself. Now how, in what way? Well, Mr. Wallace, I would say, if I would put it generally, because in our enthusiasm to dominate nature and to produce more material good, goods, we have transformed means into ends. We wanted to produce more in the 19th century and the 20th century in order to give man the possibility for a more dignified human life. But actually what has happened is that production and consumption have become means, have ceased to be means and have become ends. And we are production crazy and consumption crazy. I would like to get your Okay, views. so production is- crazy and consumption crazy. Now, I want to connect this to opening a coffee shop for homeless teens um, with you. So, t- so, Carla, I know it seems like a bit of a jump, but I actually do believe that how we create a moral economy is the work of, this, of, of people. And I love when I hear stories of people standing up and doing that, because I really think that that is... Um, that's that's what we, that's the work that needs to be done. So tell me a little bit about your background and what led you to this. Yeah. Um, so I am a social worker. I graduated um, from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire in 2014, and I went on to work in street outreach in Denver um, with youth experiencing homelessness, and then I moved to Minneapolis after that, and I um, worked as a case manager and street outreach worker for four years um, with youth in the Twin Cities experiencing homelessness and just continued to see a lot of the youth I worked with um, struggling to gain traction in the workforce and a lot of that just revolved around um, a lack of employment skills and just the barriers that come with trying to to be an employee while you don't have a stable place to go at night and so I just really saw youth struggling um, to get enough hours and enough of a livable wage Um, and enough consistency in the workforce to actually get what they would need to move out of um, homelessness and housing instability and into a more stable situation. So I felt like there is a little bit of a gap in services there and I wanted to create something that would give youth an opportunity to learn in a more hands-on way, um, skills like for employment and just independent living skills that would facilitate kind of a path out of the rhythms of instability they were stuck in. And I love coffee, um, kind of grew up in it. I was a barista for 10 years prior to graduating college and kind of was a, a beautiful marriage of two of my passions, <laughs> bit, if you want to call it that. Um, getting to work with coffee and with um, a population that I care deeply about has been really fun for me. So you started the company about two years ago under the name Gutterpunk Coffee. Yes. Okay, so tell us about Gutterpunk Coffee. Um, well, it's it's still the same. Um, that was just a name where it kind of just ended up sticking. Um, but but you have decided to change the name. So you're changing the name right now to uh, Wild Flyer Coffee. And um, so why did you make that transition? Yeah, so... The name just didn't really make sense. It was really inspired by the youth I was working with in Denver who identified as gutter punks. Um, 
Yeah, and I actually, I, I like the whole gutter punk in a way, especially mm -hmm. in this, this concept. And I know it's, I, I wish it was easier for me to put this stuff in language, mm -hmm. but it was really fun for me to read Eric Fromm because he's putting this in language mm -hmm. to have. So I'm a gutter punk. It's sort of mm -hmm. like claiming how the system wants to label and rank us and reduce us. Mm -hmm. Whereas all people, we're all not gutter punks. Mm -hmm. We're all like in, infinite beings of love and mm -hmm. creation and we can do that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it was inspired by youth that kind of helps formulate this idea. And, um, just the more we got into it, the less it made sense with the youth we were working with and just kind of wanted to pick a name that brought maybe more inclusivity to every kind of youth and, um, just was a little more future focused. And so it just kind of made more sense with, with the youth like we, that we ended up working with as opposed to the youth who helped start it yeah so tell us um uh, the details how where are you selling um and how can people connect with you yeah so we um are currently a cart and so we operate at farmers markets in the summer we are at fulton um, farmers market and then the linden hills farmers market both in southwest um, minneapolis and those are saturday and sunday mornings and then we roast our own coffee and we roast in st paul right now and people can purchase our coffee online. Um, we have a subscription service, so they can just have coffee automatically mailed to them at an interval of their choosing. So you or, have kind of like what we call a CSA, a coffee CSA, mm -hmm. a monthly. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. It, it's bi-monthly, um, monthly or weekly, depending on how much you go through. And then um, people can also just buy retail bags um, at the market or just one-off online if they would like to do that. Um, so we started small that way for two years. Um, we launched in 2017 and I think that was a really good business decision for us to get some traction and really kind of iron out some kinks um, at a much smaller scale than if we had just jumped into a full shop. Um, it's kind of allowed me to get a little more insight on the programming piece and what works best for youth and then allow them to also help inform some of that programming. Um, and this year we are working on moving into a full retail shop, which is going to triple the number of youth we can employ per year and allow us to give a more um, livable wage and full-time hours and just a lot more um, in-depth investment in the youth we work with. Um, so we're really excited yeah. about that. I connected with you a couple of years ago at a pop-up think tank mm -hmm. event. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to share about that? or? Yeah, we just had this great event hosted for us by a, another nonprofit called Pop-up Think Tank that works to help um, you know, s small startups kind of get some traction. And so it brought together a lot of people from the community who cared about what we were doing. And everyone, we kind of went through a couple different main questions or topics and everyone worked together to come up with some ideas or some next steps for us. Um, and that was just like a really fun, no ask event, just a way to bring people together and, the and one th get ideas. The one thing I still hear about that is this deeply proud woman talking about um, as a 16-year-old working in the sex trade as a homeless mm -hmm. youth because mm -hmm. that is yeah that's one of the jobs available yeah there's a huge overlap between um, those experiencing homelessness and sex trafficking unfortunately um, youth are very vulnerable um, just because of their age um, I think it's within 48 or 72 hours of of their first experience of homelessness, one in three youth are recruited um, or approached by traffickers um, just because they're vulnerable, they're young, um, they don't have a lot of other options. Um, a lot of youth wouldn't maybe say they're being trafficked, but would um, they exchange sacks for clothes, food, place to stay. Yeah. And, and during this Pride Month, I want to do a shout out for another show on AM 950, LA 2.0. Um, her last show uh, was on uh, Sylvia Rivera, and she's, she's a transgender activist who was homeless at age 11, mm. you know, as a transgender person. So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We're connecting coffee and creating a kind economy. In the 
Eat fresh and support local farmers this summer by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmers Market. The market has the best selection of fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meats, and farmstead goods. It's not too late to pick up plants and flowers. Also, fresh at the market is asparagus, rhubarb, and green onions. The Minneapolis Farmers Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. Plus, there's additional locations Tuesdays at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Chances are, after spring cleaning, you missed a spot. A couple really big spots, like your roof and siding. Run your fingers across your siding. You'll likely get a gross residue. And your roof probably has some black streaks, too. Your roof and siding aren't always easy to clean, but they're definitely the most visible parts of your home that give it its curb appeal. So let Blue Sky Services clean your roof and siding. Blue Sky's safe soft wash method won't cause any damages and will make your home look like new. Right now, Blue Sky Services is running their summer special where you can get your whole house roof and siding clean starting at only $447. That's the most viewed parts of your home clean for only $447. Then mention AM950 when you call Blue Sky Services to get an additional $50 off. So get the curb appeal back on your home and call Blue Sky Services at 952-467-2447. That's 952-467-2447. With your AM950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Tonight, thunderstorms likely low around 63. Saturday, mostly cloudy with a high near 79. And Sunday, chance of showers high near 80. Create an environmental legacy at Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Garden, Minnesota's first green cemetery. Green cemeteries do not allow toxic embalming fluids, metal caskets, concrete vaults, or standing grave markers. Green cemeteries are green spaces. They often look like parks. To find out more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, visit mngreengraves.com. On AM 950, the progressive voice in Minnesota, and in studio with me is uh, Carly, uh, Carly Kimmer, who is the co-founder of Wildflyer Coffee, and also joining by phone is her um, co-founder. Um, welcome, Ben. Ben Griswold. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Ben, tell us about how this whole idea to start a coffee business to help homeless teens um, get started. So, um, I moved to Minneapolis in 2015 from Houston, Texas, and I ended up um, moving into South Minneapolis in the Powderhorn neighborhood, and it turns out Carly was my neighbor a couple blocks to the north on the same street, and we actually knew some mutual friends and ended up getting together at a party, and I just heard about her passion for this type of venture, um, the coffee company that would create employment opportunities. And I had always had a desire to um, do social entrepreneurship with my finance degree. Um, that was my, my goal from back in the college days. 
And so we started kicking around the idea of what it might look like to actually make this um, this idea or dream a reality. So you just started talking about it. Yeah. I think he overheard me talking about it with someone, and then we, um, we he followed up with me. We ended up meeting up at Eastlake Brewery, I think, and I just kind of <laughs> talked about it and kept talking about it, and it just... It just went somewhere. Yeah. Okay, so now uh, update us um, on how are the financials, how are you funded, how many people are you serving with your social enterprise? Yeah, so uh, right now with our model, we sell coffee in a various ways, so different channels. We do our mobile coffee shop uh, that we set up at farmer's markets where we're selling ready-made coffee um, in cups for consumers that come through. And then we do some catered events like weddings or corporate events. We have some wholesale business that we do with organizations that uh, care about supporting us. And then we do online sales of retail coffee via subscriptions that people can um, can start up or just one-off bags of coffee. So right now we're at about 80% of our program costs are covered through sales. Um, which is pretty good for well, a, a nonprofit social enterprise. Oh uh, yeah, that's for an in, earned income to be at eighty percent. So, why are you guys doing this work? Pause. You want to take that one, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, always hard for me to answer this for some reason. There is not like one specific experience in my life that made me just decide to do this. Um, I think I've always been someone who's been kind of keenly aware of injustices in our society, and that that's always been a theme in my life. Um, and I think I I just really relate with with the youth population, and then just kind of like I was saying in the last segment, found myself working at a homeless shelter, then then just trickled down to working with youth experiencing homelessness and. We all have the things we care about, and this is the thing that I care a lot about, and um, just couldn't ignore. Yeah, I just guess. couldn't ignore. How about you, Ben? I think the same for me. I, from a really young age, I think I just felt myself asking the question of, like, what's my responsibility, or, or what can I do that could make a difference in somebody's life? I, I think I saw people that were less fortunate than I was um, on the street. And, and there were a couple like very specific instances when I was growing up that are still in my brain of, of like, I really want to do whatever I can to, to make a difference. And I, I didn't necessarily know how that would look, but I had always wanted to, um, to try and do something that created opportunities for people who who didn't have as many opportunities as I had growing up. So, And at, um, at the same time that you guys are creating opportunities for others, you're also finding employment for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's actually power. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's nothing better for me than being able to, you know, create my own type of employment and do what I love and, bring other people alongside with me in that um, and share it with them. And so I want to hear about um, some of the um, people that have uh, participated in the program and the the change. Have you been able to see Mm -hmm. um, your work impacting the lives of other people? We have, yeah. Um, One of our youth who just graduated from our most recent cohort of young people um, is working, to, or he's in the application process, and I think he'll get it, um, to start working on a food truck, which is really his dream. Um, so that's, like, a really exciting win for us to see. He, I mean, he's he's really sad to be leaving our program, and I'm sad too, but he wants to be a chef really bad, and so I'm <laughs> like, this is so great that um, hopefully this, this job will kind of help you take the next step into the specific career you want. There's tons and tons of research out there that the best way with this incredible inequity that we have, one of the best ways to counter that is to help people start businesses and make it easy for people mm-hmm. to start businesses. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's exciting to hear about um, him going off coffee shops. Any other stories you'd like to share? Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> How about you, Ben? Can you think of a story that you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hard to choose, uh, honestly. Um, yeah, I think one of the, the biggest one. I mean, I'll, I'll come back to the same person that Carly was just talking about. Like, when he started, he was really, really rough. Like, really rough on the on the edges. Um, you could see like his heart was incredible, but just needed some like coaching or, mm-hmm. or training around, you know, this is what you do in this situation or this is what's best for uh, the long term. And he started by like, you'd show up an hour too late or not show up to a, a market or take a break for an hour, just walking around without saying anything to now showing up to places before us, like double checking with us the night before that he's still on, calling us if there's something um, wrong or he's going to be a little bit late. And it's just an incredible difference in interacting with like a manager um, and then also customer interactions too, just how he's able to use his skills from the street, turn them into a way to be a really effective customer service employee. So this is Pride Week. Yay, get down to Pride uh, Pride booth. Uh, I'll be there from 2 to 6 today at the AM 950 booth. Um, but this whole idea of dignity and pride, mm-hmm. is that that's what people are experiencing. Yeah, we talk a lot about dignified employment, actually. And it's something that's hard to explain to people, but we see a significant shift in our youth um, through employment. And... A lot of of them may come to us and have worked and have worked at places like McDonald's or or Five Guys or whatever, and that's not wrong. I just don't think that they are necessarily always treated with a lot of respect in those places um, or have a lot of pride in that job. Um, And so shifts that we see in our youth is that they start to take just a lot lot more ownership over the product and their work performance. Um, And I think that comes from having management that treats them well and also just we work really hard to provide a quality product um and the community Mm -hmm. like sees that and they respond at the market you know they're like this coffee's so great this is so good and i think that gets our youth really excited and then they're proud of what they're serving and they just take a lot more pride in it well and i i I stumbled on this book just a couple days ago and it's written by um a guy whose name is eric Fromm. um it's called to have or to be it was written in the late 70s and and it was so enlivening to me because he talks about having mode versus being mode. So in a having mode, one's happiness, this is a direct quote from him, one's happiness lies in one's superiority over others. And you think of some of the unhid, the hidden dynamics inside of our economy and why this economy doesn't function as well for people is because what's the point of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all kind of like, there's something, there's something, we're, we're almost stuck in a having mode. Whereas he talks about a being mode lies in loving, sharing, and giving. So when you're talking about dignity at work, mm-hmm. are you showing up as a being or as a thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I'm, I'm actually, Hunter, would you mind playing that clip from Eric Fromm? Because this conversation ties in so closely to climate change and to all the mutual crises we are having right now. And so in 1958, interviewed by Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes fame, mm-hmm. um, Eric Fromm said that the United States is doomed. Um, because of sort of our, our, our um, it's almost the architecture of our, of our being. Um, do you want to play that clip right now? It is taking, it is in serious danger of destroying itself. Now how, in what way? Well, Mr. Wallace, I would say, if I would put it generally, because in our enthusiasm to dominate nature and to produce more material good, goods, we have transformed means into ends. We wanted to produce more in the 19th century and the 20th century in order to give man the possibility for a more dignified human life. But actually what has happened is that production and consumption have become means, have ceased to be means and have become ends. And we are production crazy and consumption crazy. I would like so to I'm going to take a break because I mean I know this is kind of uh, out there a little bit, but it's actually it was so exhilarating. He talks about um, 
um, having is a we've come a character uh, from a character viewpoint and that then the needs as a character are unlimited and that's why we're driving climate change i mean um and and whereas an existential having is for food clothing and shelter so why do we have a society um, that doesn't offer food, clothing, and shelter to everyone. And you can check the Wikipedia on this. Check the Wikipedia on how hunter-gatherers lived. They worked less than 20 hours a week, 40 hours if you considered all the cooking stuff, but the, a lot of that was over the stove. But hunter-gatherer societies, ancient societies, did not struggle as much as we are as a whole. And, and part of that is how we come into being with one another. And that's what I see your work in, in terms of having dignity work and reaching out to people who have really experienced a lot of suffering in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. So um, what I'm impressed with is how did you guys do this? Because I'm sure this wasn't <laughs> as easy. No. <laughs> it's, it's not. It continues to be easy. <laughs> I don't know if it ever will be easy. Um, I, it sounds a little trite, but I really, we just started. We just, just picked a point to start at, and for us that was a cart, and put one foot in front of the other, and when you start something, like it just kind of snowballs, and you meet the people you need to meet who get you to the right places in the next steps. And so that's really like all I can say about it is we just decided we're gonna start this cart and then it's gotten us to to today. Gotten us to today. So uh, you're talking to the founders, mm-hmm. we're listening to the founders of Wild Flyer, Flyer Coffee. You can find them at wild, W-I-L-D, Flyer, F-L-Y-E-R, coffee.com. And you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headland and we'll be back after the break. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coop. Northeast Minneapolis is known for its creativity, and you'll know exactly why when you eat at Hazel's Northeast. Their creatively prepared comfort food will have you coming back week after week. Breakfasts like biscuits and gravy, granola pancakes, and brisket hash. For lunch, homemade soup, and one of the best Rubens in town. And don't miss the daily risotto or Chef Ali's ever-changing dinner specials. Come on in. Bring the whole family. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. I'm Candy Braffle, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. 
Hello, friends. I've been talking to you about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, Minnesota's first green cemetery dedicated to celebrating life and protecting our environment. One of the many wonderful things they have is something called the living urn. Ashes are buried in an urn with seedlings ultimately coming back to life as a glorious tree. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Why don't you log on to the website mngreengraves.com. Learn more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. See if it might be something that's meaningful for you. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. We're talking with um, uh, Carly um, and Ben, who started uh, Wildflyer Coffee. And so, uh, Ben, you wanted to comment on how people can possibly engage with you if they want to work with homeless youth and youth struggling. Yeah, we want to be, we, we know it's going to take a community of people um, that want to see action and change um, for the betterment of young people who are experiencing housing instability and homelessness so if you're resonating with kind of what we're talking about you want to be involved you want to try our coffee you want to have another conversation with us um, you can get in touch with us on our website there's a contact us section there you can follow us on facebook and instagram um, and we'd love to continue to connect and continue to throw ideas around how we can do this together uh, as a community yeah. yeah, as a community. And one of the other things I think that's really important as a community is how we adjust our economy. And so some people talk about creating wealth that sticks. So when I shop at uh, Seward Co-op, when I buy from Sitka Salmon, um, when, I, uh, when I buy from Ferndale Turkey, that money stays in the community when I support an AM950 advertiser. And if we struggle, if we, if we find that economic groove, then I think we can all go back to those good old days. You know, the hunter-gatherer days are all working 20 hours a week and sitting around the fireplace and, and really join and, and having joy and love as, as the fundamental force of our life. And so, absolutely. So, I, and how do we create this? And one of the things is, I am a truck driver's daughter, and I grew up with a four-bedroom house and two vacations every year. And my mom has my 89-year-old mom has a pension right now. But all that happened because of the 1934 Minneapolis trucker strike. And in 1934, um, two people died, um, dozens and dozens were injured, but there was a sense of solidarity. And I, earlier I talked about finding this book from Eric Fromm to have or to be, and he actually talked about the strike and what the, the type of unity and um, that was created. And here's what he, what he said about that. Human striving for giving and solidarity manifest. And that's what would happen in the, in the union movement. That's what's happening today at Pride. It's this idea of solidarity. And the workers sought higher wages, but at the same time, they risked and accepted hardships in order to fight their, for their own dignity and for the satisfaction of experiencing human solidarity. And again, you go down to Pride this week, today, you'll feel that solidarity in the air. And that's, that's how we really do um, create this world that we want to create. Mm-hmm. And and it's really I mean knowing all these potentials out there and then experiencing all the stress that people do experience on a day-to-day basis. And it's 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 such a gap. And mm-hmm. what's behind that gap? <laughs> That's a big question. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry if I'm doing too much too much of this. I get I um no, I but, uh, you know, here's, here's one of the things that is behind the gap is if, if, if do we know the difference between average net worth and, and median? Now, Ben, I think you said you were in finance, right? Can yeah. You, can you explain the difference between a- average and median? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I won't make I'm sorry. But here's the really bizarre thing. Okay, so average net worth is uh, is about $700,000, but median net worth is under $100,000. Now, for renters, the net worth went down by over $5,000. So 
we have incredible, incredible inequities right now. And when we're trying to do a marketplace, and if people are stuck in buying in Walmart and Aldi's and all these other things, and it's just supporting an industrial system that is causing incredible consequences, um, it, 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 it feels bad. And, and Eric Fromm, actually, 50 years ago, so this type of thinking and acting out of that type of um, object consciousness, if that word works, it's just no fun. <laughs> so, and so that's why I find it very heartening that you guys have started mm -hmm. the business that you have. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. I'm grateful for it, too. And I got the feeling that it's been very rewarding for you as well. It has been. It's, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Not everyone gets to be in positions that, I mean, for me, this role feels like I'm getting to use every ounce of all of my skills and talents and I I love that and I love getting to help create something and I feel very lucky to get to do what I am doing right now and yeah and how about you Bob? yeah I've, I've been telling people it, it's kind of a little tagline that I've got going but that I've I've never worked so hard for so little money and <laughs> loved my life so much that's true like, <laughs> Don't like, become an entrepreneur just, to make a lot of money. <laughs> no. Exactly. It's not, yeah. But it's it's meaningful, and I think that's, like, the ultimate reward for, for me. I mean, I worked in the corporate world for a while and got a taste of that lifestyle, and it's great for some people. Um, they love it, but I think for me it was always, you know, a deep down, like, I want a sense of satisfaction that when I lay my head down on my pillow every night, even if I'm not getting that much sleep, um, I feel good about the way I spent my time. Um, and it wasn't just for me, but it was for um, those who I, who I care about, who I see suffering and want to do what I can. And um, so, again, last two minutes of the show, how do people connect? What, what kind of support could people offer you? Um, well, like Ben was saying, uh, we're on social media, so you can follow us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, check out our website, wildflyercoffee.com, and, and contact us if this hits you in any way and you feel like you either would want to um, you know, meet with us, engage with us more, potentially volunteer. Um, we're always looking for people in the community who want to lead skills groups. Um, so if you, I don't know, if you're a banker and you want to lead a, a budgeting group or, or something like that um we're always welcome welcoming people into that and come check us out at the farmers markets um fulton on saturday morning and linden hills on sunday it's really they're fun markets you can uh yeah interact with us get some coffee and check out at yeah. minneapolis farms and um so anything else you'd like to say ben uh yeah thanks for having us we love being able to share our story and we're really proud to be able to do it and um yeah thanks for the time well thank you and i going out i, I brought this book because it's it's um it's pride week and oscar wilde i don't know how many people know oscar wilde is still a famous poet but he was in jail for two years for being gay and while in jail he wrote this book um in the english it's in latin um but it's the profound and so he says this in it um before because at one point in his life oscar wilde was like on the top of the world and then all of a sudden he finds himself in jail for being gay um besides feasts are not for me anymore i've given too many to care about them that side of my life is over for me very fortunately i dare say but if after i am free a friend of mine has a sorrow and refuse to allow me to share it I should feel it most bitterly and so this going into this this way with each other is is a very powerful transition and and it, it's something that we can do and it's not an easy course and and that's why I I just I, I I thank you guys for your work I thank you guys for your energy and I thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950 the progressive voice of Minnesota and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy Pride Weekend yeah thank you no, who I'm talking